0: going to look at the text in three parts. We're going to to review the entire first uh, story of creation, Genesis chapter 1 through 2, 3. And we're not going to delve deep into all of it because, as I said, we don't have time. But we're going to start with just the first two verses, which I believe is really a prelude to the creation. So read with me Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the the surface of the waters. Here's where I want to begin, and here's what I want you to hear from this. Scripture, all of Scripture, is God's story it's not our story it's not israel's story scripture is god's story in the beginning god far too often our approach to scripture is such that we come looking for ourselves in scripture and certainly in scripture we do find ourselves we we see images of our sin we see images of our celebrations we, we can find ourselves in Scripture, but the primary purpose, the, the narrative of Scripture is the story of God. And if we miss that, we make God out to be less than who he is. And so I want us to begin just simply with, with where Genesis begins. And I'm not saying just that Genesis is the story of God or Genesis 1 through 11, which is a unique uh, type of literature, is the story of God. I want you to understand scripture from Genesis to Revelation is his story. Scripture is God revealing himself and his purposes to us. We, when we go to scripture, the first thing that we ought to be looking for is God. Not a solution to our problem. Not a, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a little uh, uh, one verse uh, inc- word of encouragement or one verse answered a prayer. I, I had one of those that uh, when I was a kid that somebody had given me is one of those little, looks like a loaf of bread and it had scriptures in it and you're supposed to pull out the scripture of the day and, and somehow you're gonna you know, find encouragement and, and certainly all of scripture is the word of God and all of scripture is true and all of scripture can speak to the heart. And yet when you, when you approach scripture in that way, you're approaching it for you. And you're missing the point that God's word is his story. This is also a reminder. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's not just the heavens and the earth. The, the, the use of that language there is like God created from A to Z. Just as the experience the, 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 of Jesus as the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the idea behind the use of that language in a poetic form is that God created it all. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. God is the great creator. Out of nothing came everything when God spoke it into existence. It's amazing, and we're going we're gonna to have to deal just a little bit with with our struggles in our scientific age, with how does Genesis one line up with what scientists have shown us from the bones that are buried in the depths of the mountains of Utah. Uh, And yet the primary story here in Genesis one, one, and one, two is it's God's, this is his story, and he made it all out of nothing. And if you dig deep into uh, scientific theory of how the, the universe began, basically that's what they say it began with, nothing. Except there was something that became everything without any help on its own. The difference is that in scripture, there was nothing and God made it. There was an architect of this universe who created it out of nothing. There, There are so many stars, there are so many distant planets, there are so many distant galaxies, scientists suggest that there are more stars and and bodies, planetary bodies in the universe than what there are vocalizations that have come from every human over all times. And you think about that, how many words do we have? How many sounds can we make? How many sounds can we put together to make words? There are more, God created more planets, more stars that fill this universe than we could even come up with names for. Why? What is God's purpose for creating such a vast, glorious expanse? It's for his glory that we might see his story. God is an incredible Majestic, magnificent God whom deserves our worship. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, more than anything, is not a scientific picture of, of what everything looked like before God spoke and began day one of creation. It is an image for us to understand that there was an emptiness, there was a darkness, and God created everything out of nothing. That is the God that we worship. Begin to let your heart get a hold of that that picture of the majesty of God. And then move with me, and we're going to read the, the next several days of creation. Then God said, and you'll see a formula here that is very poetic in nature. God said, and it happened, and he said it was good. God said, and it happened, or God said, God made, and it happened. So Listen to that formula because each day begins and ends through day five in particular with this formula. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was an evening and there was a morning one day. Then God said, "'Let there be an expanse between the water, separating water from water.' So God made the expanse and separated the water from under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning the second day. Then God said, "'Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and then let the dry land appear.' And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the water he called seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed and according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed and according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning, the third day. I want to pause just a second because I've caught myself. We've got a lot of text here to read and I'm reading it quickly. And we shouldn't so let me slow down when we get to day four then God said let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night they will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years they will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on earth and it was so God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on earth, to rule the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on earth. Evening came and then morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. I want to pause there for a moment because we have just covered the creation of everything except for humans. And there's a reason that Scripture pauses and sets apart the creation of human beings. And we'll, we'll get to that in the next primary point. But I want you to notice a couple things about what we just read. God's creative ability is overwhelmingly magnificent. Think about that. Out of nothing, God created the ants. He created Livestock. He created the mountains and the seas, the deserts, the trees, the shrub brush, fruit producing plants, thorn producing plants, though I wonder why. If you've hunted in West Texas, you'll ask that same question. He created scorpions and snakes, he created birds of all colors of all kinds. We live in in lives where we think that humans are pretty smart because we've created these little boxes that we can look into. That's nothing compared to what God's created. You step outside and you watch the, the rivers flow. You can never step into the same river twice because it's always changing. You look up into the skies and you see the magnificence of the sun and the moon. The tides that are created by the, by the movement of the moon, God's perfect order, who, who established the earth in such a way that is tilted just right so that the, uh, we, we don't get the, the, the direct sunlight at the wrong time all the time every day. If the, sun, if the earth wasn't on an axis in rotation like it is, those in the middle of the earth would burn up while those on the, on the top and bottom, the north and south poles, would freeze to death. God created the earth so that it spun at at the perfect rate so that the day wasn't too long, neither was the night. Or the earth didn't spin so fast that it exceeded gravity and we spun off of it. God created the earth where it rotated around the, the sun at just the right number of days so that we have the seasons that aren't too long and aren't too short. God's perfect creative order built this planet in such a way that it could sustain the life that he put on it and then he placed the life on it and you see the majesty and the glory of God in all of his wonderful creation on that macro level and then you paused to think about how a plant can grow from a seed to take root in the ground when it gets just enough moisture and just enough warmth. Bermuda grass won't grow until May around here because it has has to have enough heat. When I was a kid, I learned that okra could grow everywhere. I think you could grow it in asphalt, but an okra seed would not sprout. It would not germinate until it reached a a, a temperature uh, that we wouldn't reach in Cedar Park, Texas until around June but then it would grow so fast and make so much okra you'd get more than you ever wanted. That seed sprout and take root and become a stalk and then develop fruit that was good for eating. And the same God who created that and and life in plants created life in animals and, and if you stop and look at the mammal even before we get to humans and you ask the question, How? Does the, the body of an animal inhale enough to, to move air into its, into its lungs where, where oxygen would be transformed into the, into the bloodstream and begin to produce energy? And the, the toxins that are in the bloodstream would, would exit through those same lungs and be breathed out of the body. All the while, some of the toxins that aren't cleared by the, by the inhale and exhale of, of your lungs would be cleared through the liver or be cleared through the kidney. And all of those, all of those systems, the ner- central nervous system and the, the, the pulmonary systems and, and, and the cardiac, cardiac systems and all of those systems in our bodies working together in perfect unity to sustain life even as i look around this room i see nurses and and, and the complexity you know we we, we're we're taught about how the body works and how we can treat it but god created it god made those systems the majesty and the glory and the extent of the beauty of his creation from the macro level to the micro level is, is unimaginable and we could write books for thousands and thousands of years, and have, and studied all of those systems for thousands of years, and we will never be able to fully understand God and his majestic creation of everything from nothing. It would be easy for us today to slip off into and get caught up in the theory and the various theories of, oh, how many days really did it take for God to create the earth? Was it seven literal days? Or, or do does each day, as as many have said, Scripture says that in God's timing a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, and so you have the day age theory of of the creation story that that many have proposed. So you have uh, old Earth creationists who believe God's word and and, and yet don't necessarily take days one through seven as literal, and you have young earth creationists who do take Genesis one through seven as literal, and you can get caught up in all of those theories, but here's, my, here's what I, wanna, I want you to, to hear. Regardless of where you land on, on some of those complicated theories, because it, there's, a, there's a lot here, like I said, that we can't get into. Here's the story. The earth is God's. He created it in a magnificent glorious way scripture is 100% true always it's reliable and is trustworthy but as we look at genesis and any other passage of scripture by the way genesis is, uh, scripture is not always intended to be literal it is always true but it is not necessarily always literal. So as you look at Genesis chapter one, ask yourself the question, what is God trying to reveal to me about himself in Genesis chapter one? Genesis one through seven, if you were to to accept everything in Genesis as the literal days, and you were to uh, lay out that timeline, Genesis one through seven would cover almost 2,000 years of history. And it would be like you trying to tell the entire story of the United States in detail in one chapter of 25 verses. So the point of Genesis 1 through 11 in particular, but especially 1 through 7, and I'll come back to Genesis 1, the point is not to give us all the details about how God created the earth. The point of Scripture is to show us that he is God, and his glory and his majesty and his creative ability is far above and beyond anything that you and I could even imagine. This, this is his world that he created. All of it. And when we as humans have our little fits, like if you're, if you're reading along in, the, in the, the, the chronological plan right now where Job is starting to have a little bit of fit about uh, what's going on in his life, if, if you're reading along with that, you'll, you need to understand that this is God's world and ultimately God can do what God wants to do with it. He is sovereign over it. He created it. It's his to do with as he pleases. Matthew used for our liturgy today the incredible psalm, Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 encapsulates in poetic form the, crea- the first days of creation, Genesis chapter 1. And so you, we read these words already, but I want you to hear them because this is going to make our transition to the next passage. He says, When I observe your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, What is a human being that you remember him and the son of man that you look after him? When I look and see all that you created, God, why do you even care about me? I'm so small. I'm so insignificant in comparison to the glory of your creation. What is it about us that you care? Well, we're about to find out because this is where we get to the real meat of Genesis 1. Read with me, begin to verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There's a couple things that I want you to notice here before we go any further, and that is God's intentional use of the plurality. Here, God It's as though God pauses up to this point. You know, you, you're, you're going through the days. You know, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be lights in the sky. God said, let the earth produce living creatures. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered. God said, let there be an expanse uh, between the waters and, and the earth. So up to that point, you have a very symmetrical poetic expression where God said, let there be. That changes here. And God said, "Let us create man; make man in our image, according to our likeness." Something different is happening here. God, in His creative uh, story, in this creative story, God pauses and He looks at the Godhead, and I am one who believes that that expression is indicative. I think it gives us an insight into something that the Jews did not understand at the time. Jewish scholars, Jewish believers did not understand the the idea of the Trinity as we see it expressed in the New Testament. And so we read back a little bit of what we know from the New Testament. We're reading back a little bit into Genesis chapter 1, which is always dangerous to read back something to be reading back into something. Here we are in the very first chapter of of Genesis, the very first chapter of God's word, and we're gonna read back something into it. But here, you have an expression where God uses the plural and he says, let us make men in our image. Now, this is not the first hint that the the Godhead is more than, uh, is expressed in more than one person. Because all the way back in chapter one, verse two, The scripture says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surfaces of the waters. That verse, uh, in fact, the word spirit in that verse is capitalized because our editors of the Christian Standard Bible believe that that's referring to the Holy Spirit. I believe that, that when God says, let us make man in our image, he is not speaking to angelic beings or other heavenly hosts. God is speaking within himself to the, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we have this expression of the Trinity where God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Here, God does something different than he has anywhere else. The birds weren't created in the image of God. The trees weren't created in the image of God. A lot of people might see the glory of God in the mountains and in the skies and in the, the, the heavens. But God specifically stopped Paused and created human beings, mankind in his image. What's it mean to be created in the image of God? There's a lot of discussion, a lot of question about that, but here's the, the bottom line: is we are we are reflectors of God's nature. Nature is going to be able to see God through us. They're going to be able to see the glory of God, the, the expressed. Nature of God through human beings. I, let me just give you, a, this is a little bit of Dennis here, a little theological idea behind, in my mind. I can stare at the mountains, and, and I love doing it. <laughs> Y'all know that, and I can see the glory of God. I can see his majesty, I can see his creative power. But what I don't see when I look at the mountains is his love, his joy, his kindness. Like mountains can be a harsh place to live. You can't see the personal characteristics of God, the interpersonal characteristics of God, through nature like you can through his human creation. And it is in us that, that the world can truly begin to see the full glory of God, who he is, in his expressed personhood, all of his, his, his characteristics, his personality, so to speak, can be seen and expressed Through humans, because he created humans in his image. He created us in a way that we can reflect who he is in all that he is. And created us to be his representatives on earth. And so part of what it means to function in the image of God is to function as his stewards of this place. God created this wonderful, glorious, majestic earth for us to live on and for us to take care of. And he gave us authority over all of it. And, and he didn't give us authority so that when, when the word there, when he says so that they could subdue it, he didn't give it to us so that we could tear it up, make a mess out of it. He placed us in authority over all of this incredible creation so that we could enjoy it. Let me read the rest of the text. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image, He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on earth. God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the earth, entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and for every creature that crawls on earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I've given every green plant for food and it was good. God saw that he, all that he had made and it was very good indeed. Evening and then morning, the sixth day. You notice that he ends the creation of this part of the sixth day a little bit differently he had already paused after created uh, the livestock and all of those things that crawl on the earth and he said that it was good but then when he comes to this point god says after he created human beings male and female he says and it was very good i believe that that there's no accident there god's creation of human beings of us is the pinnacle of his creation He created all of the rest of that stuff, all of the earth, all of the world, so that His glory could be displayed, but also for us, for us to enjoy, for us to marvel at, for us to walk in a relationship with Him through this glorious creation that He's made. God, who who has a desire to walk in a relationship with human beings, loved us and created an incredible place for us. And he created us in his image that we could reflect his personal characteristics, just like all of this creation it displays his glory and his majesty and his power. What an incredible picture of the love of God that he has for us, and that he created all of this that we could enjoy it. Now, a pause here for you hunters like me. At this point, Adam and Eve weren't hunters. There's, you can get into the theory later on, because later on, the scripture says, God then told uh, Noah's descendants that they could eat meat. But up to this point, they were vegetarians. He created all of the plants, all of the, the the green stuff on earth, and all of the fruit of the produce for Adam and Eve to eat. And there's probably a good reason for that. If if, if God created a, a, a one deer and, and, and one doe, and Adam and Eve went out and shot it and ate it, And then there wouldn't be any after that. So it wasn't until the proliferation of the wildlife and the livestock that God allowed man to eat meat. And it's just a little nugget in there for you. But at this point, Adam and Eve were vegetarians. And so God created them in a perfect place in this majestic earth world for them to live in for their enjoyment. And he created man in his image. He created us to relate together as helpmates, to serve one another together. He created us for reproduction, and he gave Adam and Eve the order to be fruitful and to multiply. God created us that we might have relationships with him and that we might have relationships with one another, that we might walk with God, that we might enjoy his manifold gifts, and that we might care for God's creation. What happened? That comes later. Genesis chapter three, here in a couple weeks, uh, Matthew is gonna preach that text on the fall. But I wanna pause here because I think that that in our world, in our culture, what we see here, we can understand is already violated, man already has violated God's order. In Genesis one, verses 26, 27 and 28. Well, starting in verse 27. I'm sorry. 27 and 28, the scripture says God created men in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. God created human beings first. He created man. The word that the Hebrew text uses is the word Adam. And the word that that is the same word with a different ending that means the woman. So he created man and woman. Okay. He created man in his own, own image. But then he doubles down on this when he says, when he created him in the image of God, he created them male and female. The two words that are used for male and female are unique and different. In fact, all throughout the rest of the Hebrew text of Scripture, those two words always refer to two specific genders, two specific sexes, male and female. God created order, was that he created man and woman, male and female, and though they both bear the glorious image of God, he created them with different roles within that unique human relationship. Neither the male nor the female was created to rule over the other. In fact, when we get into Genesis chapter 3, you'll see that's part of the curse. He'll speak of the curse of men trying to dominate women and ex- ex- exert their, their physical power and authority over women. And, and it leads to all kinds of, of vile, uh, not only sin, but crime. And, and you'll, without specifying those things, in and, and, and Genesis chapter 3, we'll talk about how part of the curse is that women will rebel against, their, against men, even against their own husbands. And, and there's a breakdown in that relationship of the, the God's order and God's design. God's original design was that every male and every female were created in his image and he brought them together to be fruitful and to multiply. It is not the image of God that, that is found. In, the image of God is not found in the union of male and female. The, union, the image of God is found in every male and in every female. And this is a beautiful picture too for those whom God has given the gift of singleness because you don't have to be married to to display the image of God. The image of God can be displayed in a single person or or the apostle Paul, you'd have to say, could never display the image of God. And Jesus could never display the image of God because he he wasn't married. The image of God is, is, is expressed in every individual human being into whom God created. Now that image has become marred by sin to such an extent that we are horrible reflectors of the glory of God we can be horrible reflectors of his love, of his grace, of his joy, of his kindness. And, and because of our sin, and because of the breakdown of the relationships, and that's really what happened through sin. When sin entered into the world, there was immediate division between Adam and God. A holy God could not, or, or Adam and un, un, unholy men could not stand in the presence of a holy God. And so Adam went and hid. And and, and he was hiding from God and he, he didn't want to see God. He didn't want to face God because he was unholy and he could not stand in the presence of a holy God. The relationship between Adam and God broke down because of sin. The relationship between male and female, this design perfect union that God created broke down because of sin. And there's no... but Because this is the first, foremost... Picture of, of the pinnacle of God's creation. Created two perfect people, Adam and Eve, male and female, he created them at the pinnacle of, of, of beauty and glory, just like everything else God created. There is no more harm that could be done to man and to our world and to our culture than to corrupt the very first image of God that he created in man and woman and so when we begin to say well there's a whole lot more than just male and female and some people aren't really male and some people aren't really female and this is where our culture has corrupted the image of God to say that man can be whatever man wants to be and woman can be whatever whatever woman wants to be. No, we can't. God created order. God created two sexes, two genders. And when you take away from what God created, you, you corrupt the very fabric of the most foundational, part of our culture, our society, our families. Male and male cannot fulfill the purpose of reproduction. Female and female cannot fulfill the purpose of reproduction. God created man, male and female. And and anything other than the expression of humanity in male and female, and, and relationships and a family of a man and a woman married together is an is a abomination and it's a corruption of God's original design and his original intent. Hear this, God, even when Adam and Eve sinned against God and, and brought that kind of corruption into this world, God still loved Adam and Eve. This is what I want you to hear because no matter how far Adam and Eve went in their sin, even when they begin to blame one another, I don't want to dig too far into the next couple chapters, but through all of it, God still pursued them. God still loved them. And that's the good news that I want you to hear today because God created every human being with a stamp of his image. Even when that image becomes corrupt, God's love for that man or that woman never ceases and God still pursues them and he's pursued them through his spirit he he, the first animal sacrifice wasn't because Adam killed the animal it was because God killed the animal and shed blood so that he could cover the sin of Adam and Eve he made them garments out of animal skin causing the shedding of blood that's an image all the way in genesis chapter 3 that points us straight to the cross because when god god's ultimate relief for us was when he sent his son jesus to die on a cross and shed his blood with his broken body that our sin might be forgiven that we could stand again in the presence of a holy god even though the very foundational picture of the image of God's creation in man and woman, male and female, has been corrupted and debased by many of us in our culture, there's still hope because God still loves us enough to send his son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't miss that. Don't forget that. That's the gospel of Even in this text, even though we have made a mess of God's perfect design, God has provided a hope. This week, you saw the the horrible tragedy, the near tragedy that took place on the football field on Monday night. Or the young man, his heart literally stopped and he was dead on the field for 20 minutes having CPR done. Even after his heart was revived, they put him in the ambulance, he still couldn't breathe on his own you've seen God glorified even through that a couple days ago uh, on Anderson Cooper live on CNN you saw an ex-Georgia football player who was speaking about that and he he went into the discussion and and Anderson Cooper's anything but a Christian <laughs> but he did this ex-football player uh his name's something Benjamin I forgot his first name uh he uh as he begins to share, he, he talks about how every one of us, because we, we, we have a destiny with death. We, we, every one of us is going to face death at some point. And he pointed out that the one thing that has happened through all of this is people are beginning to ask questions about what if that was me on the field? What if that was me in the hospital? What if it was me who took my last breath, even though you know I'm, I'm, I'm in perfect health or I'm in great shape and I don't have any illnesses in my body? It could be gone in a moment. Life could end in a moment. What if that was me that was laying out there? And this this ex-football player goes on to say, the good news is that God gave us an answer, and the answer is in Jesus. God gave an answer to Adam and Eve's mistakes, their sin. God has an answer for our corrupt society. God has an answer for those who would argue against his perfect order of creation of male and female. Those who might say, as uh, the New York Department of Health said a few years, that there were 35 different genders. But I believe that that's been expanded on greatly since then. God has an answer for those who are confused and are apart from him and are in sin. And the answer is Jesus. He's our hope. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Wataga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Wataga, or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwataga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory honor and praise.